0: Hi, this is Mike DiAgostino with BankInfoSecurity.com, the leading provider of information security news and education specifically geared toward the banking and finance community. The following is an excerpt from our online workshop entitled, Board Responsibilities for IT Risk Management, presented by Susan Orr. Susan is a former FDIC examiner. And during her 14-year tenure, held numerous lead positions and was instrumental in the FFIEC IT handbook rewrites. Here, Susan answers several frequently asked questions regarding information security responsibilities for board members and senior management. To register for the full-length webinar, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com and click on webinars. You'll also notice a number of other webinar offerings on such topics as GLBA compliance. IT risk assessments, vendor management, disaster recovery, and a host of other topics. As always, if you have any questions or comments or would like more information, you may reach us at 609 356-1499. The following section is about 15 minutes in length. Enjoy!
1: I have received a few questions and so at this time I'd like to address those. The first question, As a board member of a mid-sized bank, I don't have the actual time to attend that much training on information security issues. What resources do you recommend I turn to in order to stay on top of the latest issues? It's a very good question because this is a problem not just for board members but for senior management of the institution all the way down through um, all the employee ranks. But as far as the board is concerned, your information security officer or information uh, security information systems manager at your institution should be able to provide you with some good information regarding security controls, the types of threats that are out there, the vulnerabilities, and they should be able to do this just within your regularly scheduled board meetings, just periodically throughout the year, um, taking, you know, five or ten minutes to just go through specifics of different areas. And as long as they're doing this several times throughout the year, I mean, that will give you some pretty good coverage as far as staying up to date on issues and trends. There's also online training through. Uh, such sources as Digital University, um, the Sands Institute, sands.org, also provides a lot of, of additional training. Um, you can subscribe to newsletters. However, I know you probably want to be very careful about, about uh signing up for additional email correspondence because if you're like me, your your inbox is full all the time. But there are a lot of sources out there, and just newsletter sources, Information Week. There's Computer World Security, SearchSecurity.com, so there are a lot of places you can go as well as information, excuse me, Bank Info Security. They have articles posted on the website as well as doing to webinars like you're listening to today. So all of these things can can help build your information security knowledge The next question. I appreciate the fact that the smaller banks are beginning to be targeted. What is the most prevalent mode of attack that hackers are using against these smaller banks? Actually, it's the same attacks that they've been using to target the larger ones. It just is that they're focusing their attention now on the smaller institutions. So the phishing attacks, uh, viruses, worms, uh, launching malicious code, the farming attacks, denial of service attacks all of these the same the same attacks the large banks have have been dealing with so there really aren't any specific ones that are focusing the smaller institutions okay of the groups you listed on the slide who is targeting you which of these would you regard as the most dangerous well if i was only to pick out one i would have to say probably insiders While the external attacks and the threats are increasing and the people that are wanting to get a hold of your information, um, I think your insiders are still probably one of your most uh, dangerous threats as far as whether it's malicious intent or whether it's unintentional. Uh, Sending out information in emails that they shouldn't be sending. Um, disgruntled employees who remotely log back in uh, that have information, that have um, the passwords and the access. So, I would say if I'm picking one, it would definitely be your insiders. When you talk about FACTA, are there some resources you can recommend to locate the best software programs for file deletion and wiping a drive? Actually, if you just do a Google search, it will come up with quite a list of companies that offer their products. Some of them that are out there disc wipers, there's one called Media Wiper, one called StompSoft, uh, White Canyon, and the list just goes on and on and on. There are just uh, a multitude of companies out there that are offering this type of product. So it would just be a matter of doing the research looking at what is going to meet your needs and then maybe just checking with your peers when when you're at different uh, meetings to see what they're using and you can also just check with your vendors that you're currently using to see what they would recommend. Also, as a follow-up, what resources would you recommend to find encryption solutions? Uh, Again, I would check with your peers, Um, check with your banking association, do an internet search, um, there are a lot of companies out there, some that I know of specifically offering good encryption products, and I'm not endorsing any particular one of these, these are just some that I am aware of, and that's Zix Corp, Ingrian, Cisco obviously has products out there, uh, St. Bernard Software has products, and then PGP has a product. Um, that you can get um, from their website. So, I would just do an internet search. You could look specifically for these companies, um, talk to others in the field, and then check with your banking association and see what kind of recommendations they have. There may be vendors that are endorsed or preferred vendors of your particular association. Okay, We've got our policies and controls in order but what about our vendors? How do you recommend we manage the risk that we are presented when using outside vendors to handle parts of the data flow? Looks like this is a several part question and then we're involved in banking activities that our regulators have designated high-risk transactions. Please give us some examples and what regulation we should cite when asking our vendors to tow our information security line. Well, the first part of that question Um, As far as how to manage the risk, you just need to be managing that outsourced vendor relationship. So you need to have a written vendor management program that outlines just exactly what types of documentation that you need to be getting from that vendor with regard to their security controls, uh, monitoring they're doing, alerting, what type of audit and how frequently Um, what their disaster recovery, so all of the documents that we've actually talked about in the the vendor um, outsourced relationship workshop, which would be a good one to listen to, will will give you more information on how you really need to be managing that risk. But basically, um, a very quick answer would be what are you getting from that vendor as far as um, documentation to support what kinds of controls they have in place and have assurances that they do understand the threats and the risks that are out there and and how are they protecting your information. Now the second part of that, uh, examples as to regulations to cite with your vendors, well obviously there's Gramm-Leach-Bliley and that's the section uh, 501B on safeguarding customer information. It is required and regardless of whether you in-house maintain it in-house or whether you've outsourced, you have to still oversee that relationship and they need to implement security. Um, it could be that if you um, Sarbanes-Oxley is applicable to you, then there are also portions of Sarbanes-Oxley that would apply. The state data protection depending on what state you reside in, what state your customers reside in, There's the state data protection laws that are starting to uh, be endorsed and adopted in about 32-33 states now. There's also the various FFIEC guidance that while it is not a formal regulation, um, most of the requirements are strong recommendations as far as making sure that you have uh, information security in place. Another one, this is along the same lines. Uh, With the increasing number of regulations, uh, both enacted and proposed at federal and state levels, what are the top two or three regulations we as board members should be concerned with before facing an audit? Uh, Which of the regulations is more important or are they all important? Well, actually, that's the answer. They all are important, and you should be concerned with them not just before you're going into an audit but actually all the time, year-round. And if I were to list the, the regulations, it would be going back to Gramm-Leach-Bliley, the Safeguarding Your Customer Information, uh, the US Patriot Act, Sarbanes-Oxley if it's applicable, um, there are those state data protection laws. Um, there is a federal law uh, for the state data protection that will kind of bridge off of GLBA and Sarbanes-Oxley and the USA Patriot Act that has not been passed but is being uh, kind of battled about in Congress and we expected it to have been released this year but we're still waiting on that. Uh, Even the authentication guidelines that have been issued again, not a regulation, but the agencies are taking this very seriously and they are expecting you to implement stronger authentication so I'm off the top of my head relating to specifically just IT those would be the ones that I would say you need to be taking a look at <coughs> As a former FDIC examiner could you describe what would be the ideal audit from an examiner's point of view uh, Well that's another really good question. I can tell you from an examiner's part of point of view, an audit that is nothing more than using the FFIEC work programs to perform the work pro- to the audit steps um, is really not sufficient. Um, an examiner does not audit. An examiner does an examination. So your audit really should include other steps with doing more testing of your controls. Um, your auditor, and again we're talking specifically for IT, your audit, auditor could be pulling in steps from COBIT. Uh, they should be looking at um, examination, or excuse me, um, audits, procedures, and, and control testing from the ISO 17799 document. And there's other best practices out there. They can also incorporate the FFIEC work program guidelines. However, a true IT audit would entail um, a little bit more and looking a little bit deeper than some of the examination work steps actually go. And Depending on the part of the country you're from, um, I do know that there are areas that it seems like just using the FFIEC work program seems to be sufficient, so it it really is going to depend upon where you're located and who your primary regulator happens to be, but I do encourage um, people to to use more in-depth procedures than just what's used um, in the FFIEC handbooks. The subject of risk assessments was covered today and I wanted to know, should we be personally involved as board members? Who should be conducting the risk assessment at our banks? What type of post-review process should we hold, hold to examine the results of the risk assessment? Do I need technical people to review it? Because it seems to me a large portion of ID audits now surround security issues. The reason I ask this is, as a board member, I would be the one held liable going to jail if something goes awry. A very good question. Um, I see. Uh, this come up a lot when I'm out into the financial institutions and that starts with the risk assessment just not being satisfactory. But when we talk about the risk assessment and the board responsibility, um, senior management actually is involved in, in making sure that the risk assessment takes place. However, the board actually has to start the ball rolling. The board makes the decision with regard to what the risk tolerance level is going to be, makes the decision with regard to what risks you want to accept, what risk you want to mitigate, and then what risk you're going to transfer. Those are all board decisions. Then as you go through the risk assessment, obviously someone within the, the institution, not the board, and typically not senior management, maybe the auditor oversees the process but doesn't do the process. If they're going to be um, auditing the work, um, it could be that your IT manager or your information security officer, your compliance officer will actually kind of lead the charge on putting this together. But you do need technical people involved as well as users from all your business departments. You don't want just technical people doing it um, because obviously they're going to have the knowledge and the expertise regarding the technical side, but since the risk assessment is all encompassing and it's supposed to be looking at paper document and physical um, threats and risks um, to the facility, not just the computer system, and the electronic information, you need to have people from all um, areas within the institution. Now when it comes to the technical controls, obviously technical people need to be involved, but I would not limit it.
0: You've just heard an excerpt of frequently asked questions from BankInfoSecurity.com's webinar entitled Board Responsibilities for IT Risk Management. For more information on bankinfosecurity.com online workshops and webinars, please visit our website at www.bankinfosecurity.com.